Factory. We will be looking at the ever-growing problem of hate speech, fake news, propaganda, especially online, and the various platforms now available for its dissemination. Uh, because of uh, a recent example is uh, Kashmir, what happened in Kashmir after the application of Article 370, the way we dealt with, the way the government dealt with uh, fake news, propaganda or hate speeches and the questions that we're going to deliberate upon are what can be an effective strategy to counter fake news and hate speech and in the presence of multiple platforms, is the medium of propagating fake news more important or is the social and cultural milieu in which it thrives a bigger problem? Uh, we have with us Sanjay Joshi, chairman of ORF, who recently wrote an essay on how regulating social media will not solve online hate speech. And Maya Mirchandani, senior fellow ORF, who's carried out a study for ORF, where they've tried to map the contours of hate speech on Facebook to encourage counter speech. Welcome, both of you. And I want to start with uh, the point that you make in your essay that there are now multiple mediums, multiple platform available, which is why it's easier to propagate news, any form, be it fake news or hate speech. But you say that it is the milieu, the cultural and social milieu in which it thrives, which is more important. Uh, so how do we explain this, especially if you look at it in the context of Kashmir now and what is happening? Because uh, the internet is just the echo chamber of the society. It mirrors the society. That's what you say. So how do you explain this in Kashmir also? Fake news? is not new. Hmm. My point is that fake news has always been there. Yes. And uh, the origin of fake news is rumor. And rumor starts, when does rumor gain credence? When does rumor become viral? When does rumor spread the way it does? Hmm. Uh, if you understand the psychology of rumor, you also understand the psychology of fake news and why it spreads. Yeah. So, and look at the times in history when rumor becomes important. 1857 mm -hmm. was a time when rumor proliferated mm -hmm. in Indian society. Uh, the period First World War and Second World War, yeah, when propaganda machineries get very active, yeah. when there is a certain capturing of a narrative, the attempt to capture a narrative by one power or the other, when there becomes these kinds of clashes of narratives, polarization starts taking place and people start taking these very, very strong positions. Then there is a natural tendency in society. See, so, uh, they, when there is distrust in society, when society feels threatened, when anxieties rise, then rumor proliferates. And that is also true of fake news. The phenomenon of fake news has risen in the world. It's not just in India. It's risen the world over. In Europe, you see it in America, you see, you, you see it in every country across the world, everyone is complaining about fake news. Mm -hmm. And what are you finding in the social milieu there? You're finding extremely deep social divisions, whether it be on the question of Brexit, whether it be in the question of you know, Democrats versus uh, Republicans in the United States of America, uh, there, 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 is, there is a deep polarization taking place. Mm -hmm. So that is what I mean by the larger milieu, the larger context in which people start believing the worst because they do not trust any channel of communication. Yeah. When they do not trust any channel of communication, then yes, fake news and rumor do proliferate. So, Maya, uh, uh, like uh, what Sanjay Joshi was also saying, that social media, if you just regulate social media, that will not solve the problem. If I, again, look at Kashmir and what's happening there, the government tried to control the narrative by actually a lockdown of the internet, which is continuing. But in spite of that, the, the videos that have come out, do you think the government has been successful in controlling the narrative there or, or dealing with fake news or propaganda, which are two different things again? Hmm. So I think in, in the context of Kashmir, um, 
you know, whenever there is a threat of protest or a security situation, not just in Kashmir but across the country, the government tends to shut down mobile communication. And the the rationale for that that's given by the state, I'm not saying I agree or disagree, I'm just saying the rationale given by the state is that it uh, slows down the mobilization of people to come together and things like that. Yes. The point that Sanjay was making about how rumor is as old as time, frankly, mm. Mm. Uh, is true. And so even if you, there was no internet, there was mm. no social media, but rumor still spread. So any disruptive technology will cause greater concern about which way that rumor will go. So I'm not going to put too much credence in the fact that the internet clampdown in Kashmir has had an impact on the spread of fake news or the spread of information because people will find a way to get the information out no matter what the restrictions really are. Hmm. Uh, I think these restrictions are much more about people being able to get in touch with families, uh, the political detentions, things hmm. like that. That's a whole separate conversation. Hmm. Um, having said all this, I think while this is what the state's rationale might be, when it comes to the different media of communication that we're employing and the fact that so much of this information is circulating on different platforms across social media, uh, you know, we're always confronted with this, what we have to have restrictions on social media. Yeah. And that's a really slippery slope. Do we want a top-down government ordered regulation of what we are going to be allowed to say and not say on which platform? So that's a tough one. I think self-regulation is really the way to go. Uh, tech companies have their own regulations in place saying this is what is uh, acceptable behavior, not acceptable behavior. But fundamentally, I tend to agree with what Sanjay is saying that at the end of the day, you know, a platform is a platform. It's the people who ultimately make the platform. So what is it that we can do to curb the willingness of the public to accept information as gospel even if the sources are unverified, hmm. even if there's no, uh, you know, concrete information in them, that opinion is masquerading as news, um, you know, bits of information are, are disaggregated and then put together to su suit a particular narrative. There's many, many different ways in which uh, information is circulating and ultimately we as people are going, are now in a space where we can access. Uh, stuff that suits our biases. So we're only seeking out uh, um, articles or videos that confirm that what we already believe. Absolutely. So I think there is a there is a challenge here. The one one part is technology mm. and one mm. part is mm. regulation. Mm. Uh, one part is just the definitions of these terms that we bandy mm. about today. And one part is really where are we headed as society? And I think you know just to kind of conclude this point um, philosophers in the 18th century said when the public trusts each other and distrusts authority, you have democracy. When the public distrusts each other and trusts authority, you have authoritarianism. And I think that's really the crux of the question we have to ask ourselves today. That's a big question. Yeah. And like, like Sanjay pointed out that there is a growing mistrust also world over, not just in India. But uh, when we're talking of technology, you said rumors are as old as time, really. But then what has technology done to it? Because uh, the broadcast is faster. The dissemination is faster. There are multiple platforms. There could be any platform you choose. But the fact is that it is available to you. Yeah, technology has always 
you know, to, to the spread of information technology has had an influence right from the days of the Gutenberg Press. Mm -hmm. it, 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 the Gutenberg Press fundamentally changed how information yeah. spread through society. You know, it gave the power of the democratization information that the printing press became so important. Uh, in today's uh, technology, what has happened is that the Gutenberg barrier has been broken. You, you reach the next stage. Mm. And fundamentally, everyone, everyone is both an assimilator of information, he's also a broadcaster of information. Absolutely. The broadcast information is no longer with any identifiable elite. Hmm. Everyone has the ability. And you broadcast information faster than you assimilate it. Yes. So many times, even before you've digested hmm. the information, the videos that have appeared on your screen, in your, on your small screen, you have forwarded to maybe a thousand people without even thinking of what it yeah. contains, mm. even without having seen it yourself. Now you see it for five seconds and send a 15-minute video to anyone and everyone you want to, uh, who's on your friend list. So this is what technology has done. Then second thing technology has done is amplified this power of anonymity. Yeah. Yeah. You can hide behind a mask. Mm. And if you hide behind a mask, then you become yourself. You become your worst self, not your best self. You feel you can do anything, you can say anything. Yeah. And that is where this whole phenomenon of trolling comes from. That people, you know, you, you, you start following a narrative, you start following a particular narrative, and you start trolling in favor of that narrative, because that is something which you have assimilated. Now, why you assimilated it is because of your inadequacies. It is not because of your strengths. Hmm. The, 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 the narratives I assimilate are the narratives which feed into my biases and my prejudices. They are the source of my weakness, not my strength. Hmm. They are the source, that is how I cope with my anxieties. I yeah. cope with my yes. fears, hmm. and that is why I believe those narratives. Mm -hmm. Whether I'm a jihadi, I believe certain stories because those are my fears. That is how I believe the world is around me. Yeah. So I, I start yeah. appreciating certain things, saying certain things in a certain manner. Mm -hmm. So that goes for any, whether it is a right wing, troll who's sending out a particular message or a jihadi troll who's, who's sending out a particular message. This is how it starts operating. So that is why you have technology has, yes, aided and abetted this entire process. So it's the power of narrative and the stories. And Ultimately, the, the fact that, that is what it is. The power of narratives, the power of stories and this power of narratives and stories has always been there. Yeah. It is not yeah. something which is new. Yeah, yeah. It, this is it's basically a platform for amplification. Hmm. It hmm. gives you that space to amplify. Hmm. A but message. like you said, the power of anonymity. So I, might, I want to ask on that as well. But some people who are not even anonymous, for example, there are there are leaders, uh, there are well-known figures yeah. who do not have that power, a part of anonymity. But they are tweeting and retweeting stuff they that is not okay. They may not necessarily want to be anonymous yeah. while they they want the world to know, to know. how they're yeah. behaving. You know. I, I teach college students and uh, when, when we discuss social media behavior, the first thing I tell them in a classroom is, if you're not going to say something to someone's face, try not to say it to them online. It's a simple rule of thumb. You have social graces when you behave with strangers in public, apply the same uh, code of behavior online. It's such a simple thing. Hmm. but it's almost revelatory to them that that's how they should behave. And you really have to wonder um, what it is about our basest instincts as people hmm. that bring out the worst in us. And, you know, just coming back to the whole point on propaganda, I mean, and fake news, I think it, while, you know, storytelling and the power of a narrative is important, let's also not forget the broader climate that this exists in. Um, 
it feeds on frustration it feeds on grievance it feeds on anger some of those things might actually be based in real incidents that have taken place some of it may have been whipped up into a frenzy but the fact is you have an an electorate or a hmm. polity which is ripe to receive propaganda hmm. because there are no jobs in the market you know minority groups are getting special favors from the government there might be a reservation policy in uh, you know the bureaucracy any number of things that you want to go into which may exist yep. and are based in real events hmm. Hmm. but then those are amplified hmm. Hmm. and they have been amplified all through now we have the technology just to see the kind of damage that amplification has actually caused hmm. is a narrative narrative is an act of power narratives are about power they are about political domination mm -hmm. and yes therefore leaders do play a role in controlling the narrative that is what leadership rests on so it can be done for the good of society it can be done for the bad of society mm -hmm. and and you see leaders on both, both sides, sides of the spectrum yeah, absolutely and today more and more you find that leadership many kinds of leadership today is being built up on polarizing society. on polarization so the so the crux is how to depolarize the society that the most, probably the most that's important where thing becomes how to depolarize society hmm. and hmm. do you start getting a leadership back in place which tries to polarize so a depolarize society tries to get civilization back on track mm -hmm. and try to cut it splice it dice it break it up into fragments and try to serve their core constituencies mm. see that that is the problem you started having hmm. and when you talk of leaders and these leaders uh, who are both side of the spectrum all across the world when they are putting out tweets or retweeting those tweets what do you do if you you talk about regulating social media how do you regulate these people like purge their that tweets is my whole point. or or ban when them start, or when these leaders stand up and start saying the problem is with the social media hmm. I mean, what They're is it? Deflecting you, you, the blame. You're shooting the message. You're deflecting the blame. Yeah. Hmm. The blame does not lie there. The blame lies somewhere else. Mm -hmm. The blame lies in the milieu which has been created, in the cultural milieu hmm. which has been created around certain kinds of leadership in the world today, which is creating these divisions. And also, it's not just this new media. It's unfair to blame just the new media, yeah. the social media, because the mainstream media also laps up. Uh, any news actually without verifying which gives them the ratings well i mean chomsky wrote manufacturing consent uh, quite a while ago and you know that should mm. that basically has become the basis for so much media theory mm. Uh, mm. subsequently which is that you have interests that control certain narratives that have access to the state etc etc and they all exist in an ecosystem which was dominated by the elite so you know if you Uh, like i like to say that propaganda and uh, populism and polarization actually exist in the same space mm -hmm. um you need a strong ideology to rally people around but you also need chaos in society to be able to convince people to come towards your ideology right you also need a conflict to fester and exist for uh, your flock to stay together against the perceived enemy the perceived other hmm. in our case we all know who that perceived other is hmm. um so you know the fact is that when you have these kind of working at the same time i think the challenges are much more deep rooted than even saying self regulation or regulation or tech platforms can implement their community standards stronger mass media mainstream media for whatever it's worth still has some editorial filters there is i don't know what the rigors of that yeah. are today in the 
face of the kind of downturn we have seen in the media industry per se, that challenge has also come through the democratization of information on social media. Hmm. We empowered the citizen journalist in the late, in the mid 90s. That citizen journalist today is spewing toxicity mm -hmm. on these platforms. But the platform is not to blame for that toxicity. Exactly. I'm not saying that the platform isn't liable to take it down when they don't, when they see it, mm. or to ensure or enforce mm. certain mm. regulations. But and will that really help? Have. Just taking but off the content. But will that really help? I mm. mean, uh, we are looking now, in part of our research here at ORF mm. as well, we are looking at devising training modules for children as young as 10. Mm -hmm. You know, when they first get exposed to social media, when yeah. they get their first phone to be on WhatsApp with their family groups, mm. how they should conduct themselves and how people should interact with each other. I mean, as a small case in point, this, you know, when WhatsApp came in with those regulations last year and they, they, they limited the number of forwards that you could send, mm. they uh, ensured that the receiver of that message knew it was a forward, yeah. people have become a little more restrained about, should I forward this? I don't know where it's coming from. I don't want to be liable mm. for So this. what can be an so effective counterculture then? So I, I mean, think just awareness. I mean, just also just is just uh, if, when I talk of fake news, mm. just checking whether this is fake news or not. Is that enough? And, and you know, the thing is fake news masquerades as real news. Yeah. If you're going on to a website that is prone to putting on fake news, Visually, it will look the same. There will be headlines, but they will be screaming exclamation mark headlines, which hmm. mainstream media will avoid using. They'll have a reporter's name. They'll have a dateline. They'll have a byline. And for someone who's not now wearing these, you know, looking at these markers, right? In fact, have they written the headlines in capital letters? Is there an exclamation mark? Hmm. Who is this person? Let me see other stories that this person has written. I mean, this is what we have to start like, you know, Education, Edu education, because on most of the people won't even know that no, how no, to differentiate between fake We're news. We're starting literally from and scratch. Okay, and how, how about propaganda and fake news? That that's very important to differentiate too. For example, in terms, again, I go back to Kashmir because propaganda is one of the strategies that Pakistan is using also in its war against India. Uh, we've seen that ministers uh, have been tweeting fake news from their handle, uh, videos which were not really from India, but from an earlier time or somewhere but else. But in so some cases, Nagma, Pakistani ministers, government handles are picking up reports from Indian media and spinning it to their also, narrative. Yes. In a sense, also making it harder for the Indian media to do its job in this mm. environment as mm. well. Mm -hmm. Because the Indian media doesn't want to be seen as an ally mm. uh, as far as Pakistan's cause is concerned. Mm. But the fact is, how do you report these stories? Yeah. And the confrontation between uh, the, the foreign media, I mean, the BBC, the New York Times, or the Reuters and the government. This for the people. Uh, what do you take as real news or, or you know, fake news or propaganda? Because whatever they are reporting, the government has been also denying it. So the, the dilemma for the the people continues. So let us also understand that as far as social media is concerned, you know, which is the big bugbear of these days. Mm. Social media is is not very old. Mm -hmm. Social media has really been around for the last decade. I mean, really start looking at yeah. when did Facebook come on? About ten yeah. years. Yeah. So it is still in its infancy hmm. and what uh, Maya said about people starting to learn, people starting to educate themselves, this is a process which is going to go on, it is going to take a generation or more hmm. for people to start learning to handle hmm. the new kinds of platforms, the new kinds of dissemination channels which are today available to them. Yeah. So yeah. initially, yes, when the Gutenberg press came around, there was a lot of fear about it mm. as to what the hell is this printing media going to do? And the elite mm. protested against it, mm. saying that this is going to just completely 
ruin an entire governance system. In yeah. many ways, it did. Mm -hmm. It actually led to the demise of the aristocratic classes. Mm -hmm. It led to democratization. It led to the modern kind of governments which you see today. Yeah. So yes, society will change, structures will change, even governance is going to change as a result of the new forms of media which are which have come into existence. And we need to be prepared for those changes. Those changes are going to take time. Mm. And what I said about education, what Maya said about education, yes, is extremely important. Today, more and more, you start now placing the narrator in the middle of the story. Why is a certain story being told? Who is saying it? Where yeah. is he saying it from? Mm. What is the context in which he is saying it? And what would be his agenda mm -hmm. in promoting that kind of story? Now, those are the kinds of questions people have started asking today. Yeah. Immediately when, you know, when they see a video, the first question an intelligent person really asked is, who is this person? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? Mm. Why is he trying to say it? What the hell is his angle? Mm. Where are the counter stories to this? Mm. So people have also learned the, for, to every narrative there's a counter narrative. So you are seeing this clash take place. You're also seeing a, a greater democratization in the understanding of people. Now it is going to take time. Yeah. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen five years, ten years. But yes, these are changes. And one of the big advantages of the information age is that yes, there's a lot of fake news. But the second most important thing is it is equally difficult to keep secrets. Yeah, that's things part. come out. <laughs> Mm. It is extremely difficult to keep secrets. Mm. No one can keep secrets. Even the, even the CIA can't keep secrets. secrets. It, they are subject to WikiLeaks. Mm. No government organization today can keep secrets. That's mm. also the challenge of propagandists. Yes. Because they would like you to believe what their version mm. of so the that, truth that's really a, that's is. That's a challenge for that will, propagandists also that today. Will yeah. So there is, there is a you know, positive side to all this also. And we need to understand that every society, every knowledge platform ultimately is a work of evolution. It changes, it grows. So, let us wait for time. Let us let us let us let society itself evolve. Yeah. Let our knowledge frameworks evolve, hmm. and let us let society as a whole start getting used to coping with, living with these new platforms, yeah. with these new modes of information dissemination which are available today. Yeah, yeah. I, I think just to add to that, I think we need to be really careful. Though I'll repeat that about when we call for regulation, hmm. because in the name of uh, regulation. Any political power across the world will want to stifle dissent against it. We saw in India the Shreya Singhal versus Union of India case, yeah. and that was not under this government, that hmm. was the previous regime. Previous so, the point is, any government is going to ultimately want to stifle its critics. Hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that whole thing about regulation hmm. is a little dicey as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. I think we really need to focus on self-regulation and therefore the education takes a greater hmm. uh, sort of space hmm. in that, hmm. in that hmm. whole and it uh, becomes, dynamic. And it becomes even more problematic because India has such a huge population. In your study you pointed out yeah. that India ha is like 10% of users globally of Facebook. We, India probably. now has 400 million WhatsApp users. It's WhatsApp the largest users user base yeah, in I'm the world. I'm talking about that Facebook, the, the study that I you mean conducted that, and that, that was that was time. was conducted a year and a half ago. Yeah, so, so it becomes very, very dangerous, yeah. I mean, even more dangerous yeah. for India. Yeah. So, but what are the lessons that you draw from that study uh, when you were trying to map that, uh, the hate speech and, and what should be the, the strategy for counter speech and how effective so did it really I think, I mean, a couple of things that we learned. One is that we need to start young. We mm. need to start educating people young because if we want to see a generational shift in the way technology mm. is used sooner rather than later, mm. then we can't wait around for the next uh, batch of 10-year-olds to go into sixth 
standard and hmm. uh, you know uh, be allowed to use a smartphone hmm. we need to really start very young that's one the second is i think if the conversations and the engagement takes place in an atmosphere where you're not saying but you said yeah. or you did that happened and then the blame level is eliminated from the conversation people might be more receptive hmm. uh, to a certain different point of view or information i do believe in spite of one everybody has a bias of some kind right left center you know religious atheist rationalist whatever you want to call it yeah. um capitalist communist whatever doesn't matter the fact is that it, without engagement social media and the fact that technology works in such a way or not just social media even mainstream media on the internet hmm. works in such a way that you will only remain in your echo chamber unless you're actually willing to go out and engage with the rest of the world mm -hmm. what's your comment on this counter speech how can it be more effective should it address ideas and should it reduce the blame game because then it becomes more provocative uh my own experience is yeah. that fact check by itself does not work yeah because mm. fact yeah. check does not work in a situation where the reasons as i said people are believing in certain stories mm -hmm. are because of their own fears and anxieties so there is a certain narrative they are going to be subscribing to mm. it is extremely difficult for them to just just give them counter facts and start to start imagining that you know they they are going to change their they very rational human beings will change the prejudice yeah. none of us are very rational human beings absolutely yeah. like to believe what uh, we yes, want we to like believe in we 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 always like to believe mm. what we want to believe in and that is true all of us so just simple fact checking does not help eventually you see when you start looking at the social culture in the milieu which i always say is center stage to the whole process it is made up by three components one is of course when you start looking and specifically speaking of social media space it is a contract between civil society it's a contract between governments and it's a contract between the companies hmm. which are basically creating these platforms and each of the three is equally important right hmm. when we start talking of regulation it is not a question of one will regulate the other there has to be each has to regulate, regulate each other them. no yeah. it's, it's it's a system of checks and a balances collaboration collaboration mm. and also checks and balances mm. both, both 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 carrots and yeah. sticks but the carrots and sticks works from both three corners of the triangle mm -hmm. not one of them including the government yeah. can ever can be, be allowed dominant. to become all yeah. powerful to become the single regulating authority in this the government also needs to be regulated correct and it needs to be regulated by the other two mm -hmm. so this this is a process this 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 ultimately is is a new social contract which we will have to evolve into so it's a new social contract which will have to evolve and we have to give it time on that note we have to end this discussion uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the ideas factory